Monkey Dick. Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back, boils and ghouls, ladies and germs, talking terror fans, nationwide and worldwide. We're back once again. It is Talking Terror. I'm your old pal, the King Har, Andy G, welcoming you back to the show. This week, it was supposed to be the Doc's pick, but since he is off again for another week, we're probably not going to see him until November, because I noticed there was an uptick in fans in Norway, so I think he's back in Norway doing his press tour, so he'll be back in a couple weeks. But until then, Ooh. we are joined by the ghoul geek himself, Keith. Welcome back. Hello. Hello. Hey, what's up, everybody? Hello there, and welcome back to the show, as always. And we're also joined by that crazy monkey banging on his cage, chewing on some tapioca. <laughs> Mad Monkey, welcome back. <laughs> hey there, for fans. It's your furry little horror co-host here. The Mad Monkey Broadcasting to you live from the Drunken Monkey Rehabilitation Clinic. Here with my lovely co-host, the Talking Terror Crew, the King of Heart, and the Ghoul himself. What's up, bitches? <laughs> what is up, indeed? <laughs> we are going to the... Uh, <laughs> it's good that we're getting Stop our German now because we are, uh, we are going to be discussing Puppet Master, the Littlest Reich. Uh, which just came out this year, directed by Sonny Laguna and Tommy Wicklin. So it's good that we're getting our German in now. Because I think we're going to need it a little bit later when we're battling puppets from the Axis. Mm. Absolutely, man. It should be a fun episode when we get into this shit. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. it. Originally, it was supposed to be the doc pick, so I stepped up and did uh, you know what I could to present a fun little movie that we could talk and discuss. Um but I know that you guys probably didn't catch it, but earlier tonight, the Goldbergs episode featuring Robert England as Freddy premiered. Uh, it was a good episode, guys. Uh, check it out. He only had about a five-minute cameo, so you could really just fast-forward all the way to the end and catch his little five-minute cameo. But it was fun. I'm going to watch but, the whole episode, man, because I love the Goldbergs. And, yeah, I totally fucking yeah. missed it. Completely flaked on it. I'm also, you know... Watching the the film itself for the second time, trying to squeeze it in there. I've been busy, crazy at work, and you know having these late nights, and I'm trying to trying to get everything all done. Plus, you know, I guess I I could say I had time yesterday to watch the movie, except I decided to start watching the Haunting of Hill House. Um, I watched mm-hmm. the first episode a couple days ago. Right. I kind of felt very lukewarm about it. Did not find anything that I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to continue watching. Um, and then on the monkey's uh, old lady suggestion and another friend from work suggestion, I decided to continue. 
And you know what? From the second episode on, I was completely just captivated by the show and went on such a binge. I'm, you know, up to, I don't know, I, I went like five straight hours just watching this yesterday. And uh, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. I can't wait. You know, as far as I'm concerned right now, it's like, God damn it, we got to do the show. And I want to go watch the, the one thing of the Hill House. Wow. So I'm guessing it's good, what you're saying. Fantastic characters. A lot of fun. Very twisted. You know, very, very twisted. I, I love the characterizations that they're, that they're portraying within the show itself. Very good, very good. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the, the Diva watched. Yeah, the Diva watched it. Uh, she finished it, and you know, I'm not going to give any spoilers or anything like that. But again, to mimic what the Ghoul said, she absolutely loved the character development that was going on. She fell in love with the characters, you know, and. Yeah, the action goes up and down here and there, you know, as far as a horror thing, you know, straight horror is concerned, but it's the characters that really get you hooked into this show. Mm-hmm. That's Agreed. good to know. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of Mike Flanagan, so I'm staying away. I'm one of those guys. Yeah, hey, it's a director I don't like. Staying away from that. No interest. Oh, but for everybody else... Turkey. Yeah, I know. I guess you. I guess you didn't like Ouija: Origin of Evil. Oh, horrible, horrible movie. Luckily, I saw that on demand on HBO, and I was like, "This movie is just terrible." I was like, "Why is it so bad?" Oh, it's Mike Flanagan. Now that's why. I got duped. Didn't even know he directed it until the end. I was like, "That's why yeah, this movie is not good." I don't know of his other work, nor do I remember it. I don't think I've seen any of his other work. Uh, no, I don't even think I ever saw Oculus. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't have anything to draw comparisons to, but uh, yeah. what he's put together here is is very well done, and I do recommend it. Well, he's got his praises, and that's why I tell everybody, you know, check his stuff out. Uh, Oculus, he did um, Hush, which is on Netflix, uh, Absentia, and obviously Hill House, so... He's got his fans. I'm just not including myself in that group. But that near here and there, you know, because I have weird choices when it comes to directors that I personally like. Um, but I kind of wanted to give uh, Monkey the floor before the ghoul and I kind of go into a little movie we watched over the weekend. I don't know if you guys heard about it. It's called Halloween. Open Friday. There was a new Halloween, there was a new Halloween movie out? I heard it opened, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know about this. God, I had to check this movie out. That came out of nowhere, you know? Holy cow. <laughs> it really did. And it didn't do so well at the box office. I mean, $98.8 million, I mean, it's, it's okay. You know, that's an okay weekend, I suppose, for a movie that just opened. Well, that'll yeah. land in, what, the 15 mil from overseas, so. That's right. But, yeah, Monkey, uh, you have the floor. I know you had a couple things that you wanted to bring up as hard news, and then uh, the ghoul and I will give a little bit of our review on Halloween. Okay, uh, yeah. Um, first off, I'm just super excited because Sci-Fi is now in serious talks about rebooting Critters and Killer Clowns from Outer Space, which, uh, you know, Critters, I can take it or leave it, but I'm really, really excited about Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You, you know, there was all the hype from last year's stand at Universal, which got, you know, huge, huge crowds going on. You know, got the Giotto brothers stoked about possibly doing another movie. And, yeah, Sci-Fi is now t- talking about getting the license rights for bo- both of these franchises and keeping the series going for both. 
And, yeah, I'm just excited because I think Killer Clowns is definitely an easy movie that you can just keep it going. What do you mm-hmm. guys think? Yeah, go. Cool. What do you think? I'm all for it. I just don't want to see it on sci-fi. <laughs> yeah. know, that, that's that's mm. my biggest problem there. I mean, I've seen some of the other things they put out, and, you know, I uh, – uh, yeah, no, I I would much prefer to see it go to, you know, Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. I'd love to see somebody, you know, be willing to put a, a decent budget behind it and let those guys work the magic that they do. I love the Kyoto Brothers, so uh, I would love to see them have some money to, to actually create the magic that I know they can do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but I feel like sci-fi is the place for people to go when Netflix and Hulu isn't an option. Like, they have such a crazy idea, like Mecha Shark versus, you know, Robot Octopus. It's like, well, Netflix turns down sci-fi. Hell yeah. Bring it on, baby. You know, we'll put it up there. We'll premiere it on Saturday night. Like, you know, it's okay. So I feel like a, a product like Killer Clowns from Outer Space definitely deserves a Netflix treatment, maybe even a series. Um, Critters, too. I'm excited more about Critters because it's been such a long time since I got into Critters. And I remember being a real big fan of that series. So I'd love to see that get rebooted and brought back, um, you know, as a movie or a set of movies. Uh, Killer Clowns, too. I think it worked as a series or a TV, uh, TV movie. But sci-fi is going to pick it up. And I, I'm sure they'll do a good treatment of it, especially if the Chiodo Brothers are involved. I think the handling of it will be kind of in safe hands. And I wanted to ask you guys, because it's been forever since I've watched anything on sci-fi, are they are they still stuck with like a PG thirteen rating or have they been able to push that with their channel? I really um, don't watch sci fi all that much. The only thing I've caught on sci fi recently, um, I was following a, a show called The Magicians mm. and it pushed some boundaries, I have to say, you know. I mean it's not a horror show though. So I don't know what they're going to do as far as gore and whatnot, but content-wise, you know, it was up there with uh, with some of the better cable television, you know, things. It was I was enjoying the series. I just, I don't know, like I said, I just lost interest in it after a while. Right. Yeah, okay, I was cool. following uh, Channel Zero for a while as well with uh, Candle Cove, No End House, uh, Butcher's Block. Uh, another season just premiered. They definitely pushed the boundaries as far as the TV PG kind of PG 13 will allow, you know, where they don't kind of overstep their boundaries, but they get enough blood in there where you could kind of be satisfied if you're a Goreham, if you like a little bit of that, but it wasn't like sex scenes and fuck every other word, you know, it was just, you know, decent enough. Right. All right. Well then moving on, since we're still talking about the gore and stuff like that, the other big news that I found is that, uh, because, this little-known movie called Halloween apparently has made a little bit of money. Now, uh, people, are trying to, people are trying to jump onto the other franchises, and the big one I saw is LeBron James is th- throwing his name into the <laughs> hat about producing the next Friday the 13th installment. Yeah. Because of, I'm going to give it to the goal for this one because I wanted to hear his thoughts on LeBron James. You know, King James himself popping on board with uh, a possible Friday 13th reboot. Now listen, man. You know, obviously the film, the, the companies and the people that own it and everything are going to have a real producer handle the actual production. 
So mm. LeBron James saying he wants to get on board and be a producer, this and that. He's going to get an exe- if he's going to get involved, it's going to be an executive credit, and it's basically mm-hmm. going to just be, hey, here's a lot of money, make a movie, because yeah, yeah here's a cameo, you know, great. <laughs> you know what, man? Play fucking basketball. You're in. Why? He wants to do this now because he's in L.A. Is that what it is? Like, oh, yeah. hey, well, I'm in L.A. Oh, yeah. Now I've got to be a fucking movie star too. Like, come on, dude. Okay, but on the flip side, I found out that he's actually been doing a ton of producing for horror movies, especially really? a lot of yeah. Like, uh, found out he um, was one of the producers for Get Out. He was. A big producer for all of the Insidious movies. Um, he, it's, it's a funder, then. That's what he is. That's what they need to turn that credit into. It's funding, not producing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's just giving the cash. Okay, but yeah, it's like either way. It's like found out he's a huge horror fan. You know, has done a lot for. We'll just call it funding. Lots of horror movies to be made, and this is his next one. Is he wants to? I guess throw a big wad of cash into the Friday Thirteenth franchise. Well, and and really, it's kind of a head-scratcher, too. Not just because it's LeBron James, who I associate with basketball and championships. It's more so the fact of where is he going to go? Like, what, you know, Victor Miller just won the U.S. rights to Friday the 13th. Horror Inc. is currently appealing. So, you could say all day, I want to reboot Friday the 13th, but where are you going to go with the project? And where exactly are you going to be taking this? Because it's still tied up, you know, in legal battles. Yeah, so it's the, a fun the, project, but sure, where are you going to go? Yeah, from what I saw, he was actually in talks with Miller about continuing the franchise. Okay. But like we talked about, is that going to be Baby Jason with Pamela Voorhees, or is that going to be Big Jason that currently is with Horror Inc.? Yeah, from, from the, what I found... That's the rub. Yeah, and you know, and we've talked about it in the circles a million times and whatnot. But apparently, you know, Miller's got some kind of hockey match Jason story he wants to tell, and LeBron James is trying to get on this about throwing some cash his way. If LeBron, okay, LeBron James, I'm currently looking at his IMDb profile. He's got 21 production credits to his name, hmm. none of which are horror films. Um, and the only really? one that actually has a producer credit is Friday the 13th, which obviously isn't even <laughs> confirmed. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not even confirmed. And all the, other, all the other ones are executive producer. Like I said, he, listen, you know, I'm not knocking him. I've got, no, I've no. got an executive producer credit. You know what I mean? Yes, like, but the reality <laughs> is this. I had nothing to do with the actual production of said film. You know, all I did was help throw some money so that the film could get made, and that needs to be done, you know? So I'm all for it, you know? You want to throw money at these people to make them make a film? Please, please, please do. Just make the fucking film. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and we'll see what happens. I mean, it's not like it's going to happen anytime soon. It's not like, oh, next Halloween, get ready for Jason, LeBron James from downtown. Yeah, no, it's not. It's, it's going to be a, a couple years, I'm sure, before we even get a chance to see what comes out uh, as far as Friday the 13th. Even though Halloween did really well, you know, Friday the 13th, I think it's going to be one of those properties. We're still going to have to wait a couple of years. There's still a yeah. lot of, of red tape to get behind. Um, but I think, Monty, mm-hmm. you were talking about another uh, little Nightmare on Elm Street tidbit 
about uh, Robert England possibly wanting to jump on board with another film. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm having a major brain fart on this one. Why don't you take it, King? Uh, well, because we were talking about the last night about the Goldbergs and how Robert England wants to reprise his role for the episode, which he did. But it looks like he is kind of trolling the internet at the moment, saying that he might have one more Nightmare on Elm Street movie in him. Might just possibly have one more chance to put on the makeup and put on the glove and be Freddy one more time, because apparently there's rumblings that they want to reboot the entire franchise and just do a whole of another series. Do. Of course, because Holly made a lot of money. But I think <laughs> it's just Robert England trolling the internet, basically saying, uh, you never know. I might have one more, when really I'm sure his answer is no. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not for a whole movie. I think his best bet is to not – okay, look, I did not, you know, enjoy Jackie Haley, whatever his name was again. Um, Jackie O'Haley, yeah. Yeah, as Freddy. um, You know, we've spoken about the the, the remake Mm – you know, a couple of times. Uh, we've never covered it, but, you know, we, we have all spoken about things that we did or didn't like about that film. Uh, right. Um, I think Robert England went out as Freddy on a high note in Freddy yeah. vs. Jason. You know, the movie might not have been perfect, but he was great portraying Freddy yeah. as Freddy that one last time, I mean, it's Freddy, it was Jason, it was fucking everything we as fans, you know, could have hoped for from that film. You know, I know going into that movie, knowing all the production, the production hell that went in before finally getting that fucking thing made, to finally be in the theater and see that finished product and walk away completely entertained, I couldn't have asked for more at that point, because really all I was expecting was to see the worst fucking thing imaginable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, it was surprisingly so, entertaining. Yes, <laughs> and you know, the, the, whatever about the uh, the kids in the movie, couldn't care less because you know what? As the title is, it's Freddy vs. Fucking Jason. You know, those were the yeah. two guys that mattered. Everything else in between was fucking fodder. It was just shit. It was lambs to be slaughtered, and that's all they needed to be. Um, you know, that's that's like going to see, you know, Godzilla versus King Kong and being disappointed that you didn't get, like, a touching human drama in the middle of it. Like, <laughs> just give me two big monsters fucking each other up. That's all I want to see. Uh, I, I think Robert should take that and let that be and let somebody else, you know, he can help. Let them find somebody who can take that he can coach. Freddy. And go from yeah. there, you know, like let, let mm-hmm. somebody else learn to be Freddy Krueger. Obviously, the person's got to make it his own, but he can use tips from you. Yeah, I completely agree. So, Monkey, what do you think? Do you think it's like the ultimate troll of basically saying, I'm never going to do this again, but I kind of wave that little bait in front of horror fans' eyes and say, maybe one more. Never say never, guys. Yeah, but at the same time, it's Robert England, and it's, you know, you, you you guys have met him. You guys said he's fun, he's, you know, a jokester, a prankster, yeah. you know, and it's just, you know, why wouldn't he do this? You know, just to sit there and fuck with everyone, especially, you know, right now, he has this appearance on the Goldbergs. He's doing his bit to hype it up, to get people talking and hopefully see the thing, you know. And, you know, I, I just think it's him just having fun. Mm-hmm. And not only that, there was another piece that just came out the other day 
where Robert England was giving an interview, I think it was on Access Hollywood, about the Goldbergs' appearance, where he said, by the way, guys, did you know that I worked on the original Halloween film in 1978? Oh, yeah. My friend in Pasadena at the time, he had all these bags of leaves, and he said, you want to go to a film set? And I said, sure, why not? So there we were on the set of Halloween, spreading around leaves, and that was my participation in that movie. I was like, oh, Robert, you cheeky little bastard. You didn't do that. <laughs> you, know, you just want to get fans fucking ripping their hair out going, oh, my God, he worked on the Halloween set. I was like, so now yeah, I'm going to have to go back and watch fun. the original Halloween and try to find what leaves he put down. <laughs> right. Yeah. Did you, did you write his name on the leaves so he could check it out? Oh, Robert England, that's his leaf right there. You know, but uh, to me, that was like his way of trolling people. And I was having fun with it. It's, you know, I, I guarantee you he didn't work on the set. He just wants to get people talking about him again. And I think that's a great way to do it. <laughs> Say he worked on that set. I mean, like I said, I love the Goldbergs. I think it's a very fun show. Um, you know, it's it's always taking place in the 80s, which is fantastic. You know, the, the lead character is pretty much the same age as I was in the 80s, so it makes it even all the more fun seeing some of the stuff that they have on set. You know, the, these callbacks to... You know, these, these toys and these cartoons and all of these things just always just brings a smile to my face. And, uh, you know, I think it's a great little show that Adam Goldberg created. Um, and, and, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of fun. A lot, a lot of fun. It really is. Uh, you know, uh, as a whole, the show is really good. And the fact that he is such a horror fan to dedicate an episode to A Nightmare on Elm Street um, and have so many good lines, because uh, when you guys watch the episode, there's so many little lines in the episode that just brought me back to being a kid, back in the late 80s, early 90s, watching horror movies. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I remember my first edition of Fangoria that I read. You know, I remember watching sure. Nightmare on Elm Street 1 through 5. <laughs> you know, getting through those movies and sleeping through the night. Remember those fun. So it was a great call. I, I remember sitting there with my VHS copy of fucking, you know, of Friday the 13th that I had taped off of Channel 5 during, you know, one of their, <laughs> their Halloween marathons and sitting there and rewinding and rewatching, you know, Jason popping out of the fucking water again and again and again and trying to freeze it at just the right time so that I could really study, like, what the makeup looked like, what he looked like, so that I could figure out the relation to that Jason versus where the character goes in future, you know, iterations of the series. Uh-huh. Uh, I certainly mm-hmm. remember my, my early horror days, man. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why it's a... Great one. I'm sure you do too, Monkey. You know, in the early days, formulating your your horror kind of fandom, watching horror movies. Oh yeah, for, but like you know, like it is now for me, it was all about practical effects because for you know me getting into it and finally getting past that huge hurdle of you know watching a scary movie and getting people chopped up and stuff like that. Then then it was me trying to figure out how it was done. You know, finding mm-hmm. the magic you know, finding the practicality behind the magic trick and how how to do it. And, you know, that's just how I know with creatures, puppets, special effects, you know, all of it is, you know, I love the magic of how it's done. <laughs> and that's why I loved Fangoria when I was a kid, because it got you behind the scenes of those movies and showed you how it was done and introduced you to the special effects artists, like Rob oh, yeah. Bottin and Rick Baker and Tom Savini and Greg Nicotero. It's like, you want to see how that effect was done? Here you go. Here's a spread. Like, oh, yeah. man, that's how they did that? That's yeah. so fucking cool. 
Yeah, a whole a whole spread of black and white pictures, like on, on you know the blood red pages and stuff like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, I um, loved all the episodes. I loved all the issues that did. I loved all oh, the issues that had fucking you know all the the hot chicks in a man as far as like you know oh, the yeah. chicks of Friday the Thirteenth, the chicks of Nightmare on Elm oh, yeah. Street, and so forth and so forth, man. Lenea Quigley, <laughs> hell yeah, the the horror queen. Return of the Living Dead, trash, you know, in her workout tapes in Fangoria Magazine. Send away for her workout tapes. <laughs> Damn, never did that. I wish I could. Um, but, yeah, Mike, do you have anything else you want to talk about before uh, the ghoul and I kind of take it aside and talk about Halloween? No, I, I'm good unless you guys, like, I'm perfectly fine if, you, you know, you guys want to start running the numbers of how much this movie made over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, yeah, 98.6, I think, 98.7, including international uh, yeah, funds. I think it's what the final photo was as of today. Oh, shit. It's, it's yeah, yeah, okay. Last, last number I saw was 76. No, oh. it's at 98.7 now, <laughs> according to uh, Box well, Office Mojo. So. Well, again, it made 76 in the States. And then the additional money is from overseas. So yeah, okay. And then this was on a, t- and then this was on a ten million dollar budget, right? Ten to fifteen, according to okay. IMDb. All right. So take that with a grain of salt, though, because the Gore and I talked about that. Where we're not really sure if that's exactly the scale of the budget. You know, if that's the exact amount, ten to fifteen could be, could be a little mm-hmm. less, could be a little more. I think it might be a little bit more than what they're saying. I think it's yeah, I'm thinking more too. I think I think these days, honestly, the idea that you know, okay, we're gonna make Halloween and we're gonna spend X amount of money on it and this and that, I think it turns off a lot of people these days. So Yeah. Trying to make this movie and making it sound like, you know, oh, we're going into this with, you know, with a low budget, you know, this is all a a passion of the people behind it, you know, and the director loves it, and we got Jamie in there, and this and that, I... You know what? I don't buy it, man. Money talks, and I think that's yeah. how you get certain people on board to do these things. And if you know what, if they spent fifteen million, okay, fantastic. You know, uh, but obviously, then so, some people got big cuts of it, or they've got big percentages of the box office. You know, they they have some kind of other deal. Plus, you know, most of those times the uh, you know the the budget doesn't show what advertising and all of that stuff right. costs as well. So there's always like another $5 million hidden in there anyway. Oh, easily. Well, but, with that being said, uh, go ahead, Monkey. What are you going to say? No, I was just going to ask, do you think maybe they were trying to fluff their numbers a little bit and lowball them intentionally to make it seem like it was just that much more of an indie film and not just a I do. you know main franchise yeah. movie, especially lately, yep. though, the kick that we've been having for indie horror? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, oh, it's not even just indie horror. It's the idea that these films are coming out at, you know, indie-level costs, you know, well, Hollywood indie-level costs, you know. I mean, obviously, Absolutely. They're, not making, they're not making these movies on a $20,000 budget off of a Kickstarter. You know, they're making, they're making <laughs> them for, let's say, you know, a million to three million. Um, mm-hmm. So, which again is indie when you're talking Hollywood style independent, and then yeah, yeah. they're 
you know, breaking fucking 200,000, 200 million, 300 million. Uh, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it really is. But uh, with that being said, uh, you know, because I have my thoughts, I know the ghoul does too. So, ghoul, on a scale of 1 to 10, that's how I'll begin it. Where do you place Halloween 2018? Ouch. 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 Fucking firing right off the bat, man. Um, okay, we, we both talked about this after I saw the movie, man. You know, it's it's if I'm to give the movie a rating based on a number of one to ten, honestly, I give it a five. You know, it falls yep. Yep. right in the middle as far as you know its overall full quality. Um, you know, maybe I can edge it towards a six. I want to see the movie again. Uh, I'll probably go and see it yeah. again in theaters. The ghoul, the ghoul girl didn't get to go with me. I had, uh, you know, I had my daughter with me, um, and uh, she she went with me instead. And you know, for a fourteen, put it this way, for a fourteen year old who's never seen any of the Halloween movies, knows nothing about the lore, you know, she walked out of the film with me, and she said, you know what, you know, even though she was on her phone at times and whatnot during the the film, which drives me nuts, but you know what, I picked my battles. And she is a, you know, severely temperamental teenager that can fucking freak out and throw punches at the fucking, you know, the drop of a hat. You kept your phone dim. You kept your phone quiet. I ain't fucking complaining, man. But she walked out saying she gave the movie like a seven. So, and she thought that it was actually uh, pretty damn good. So, you know, with that being said, as far as, you know, ranking it in order with the films, you know, I still, of course, 1978 Halloween is a movie that will never be beat. It's just like Jaws to me. You know, it's just there's nothing Mm -hmm. that will ever topple that film. Um, Right next to that one, though, I put Rob Zombie's remake still, man. I loved the whole first half of that film. I loved what he brought to that character, and I liked that he brought a little bit of violence to it. Um, And then I would put this movie now. You know, I would put this movie along there with, like, you know, part four and, you know, uh, sprinkle it around in there, you know, throw part two, I guess, into that mix, too. But, you know, for me, I just felt like part two was such a departure from the original film that uh, even though it took place the same night, it was just it was a different breed of movie. Yeah. And to me, you know, scaling it one to ten, which I think is fair. Um, I gave it a six walking out. Um, I wanted to give it a five, but I was like, I'll give it a six just to kind of be generous. But it was pushing it because as excited as I was to see it and all the anticipation, all the hype going into the movie, it's a very flawed film. I mean, I know, you know, Ghoul, you agree with me too, but I know everybody's saying, oh, my God, this movie is so great. It's so high up there. It's such a good movie. It's so great. I got to admit, it's kind of flawed. There was a lot of mistakes that I felt were made in that movie. A lot of characters that didn't need to be in the movie. Um, you know, it's just that was where I kind of stood with it. Um, just a lot of mistakes. I don't know, you know, Ghoul, like I said, I want you to give your opinion, but that's just where I stayed uh, initially. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, uh, you had told me, I guess, that, you know, the original cut of this was like two hours, two hours and 15 mm-hmm. minutes or something like that. Um, they yeah. pared this down to an hour and 45 um, I want to see what was cut out of the film because I honestly feel like, you know, there were parts of this movie that needed explanation that we didn't get, you know, characters that, that had like, they just didn't have any, uh, uh, like, I, I don't want to use the word depth, but they just didn't feel like they were real characters, you know, and there were just right. certain things that were going on in the film at times that just really made no sense 
and it felt like the directors and the writers were trying they were almost at odds at times like you know some of them were hey hey no i want this to be suspenseful i want this to be like the original halloween and then somebody else was like well no though i want this to be like you know i want it to be like a a, a slasher film man halloween made slasher films and i want this to be a slasher film and i don't like i don't know as an example man you know the same night that, that i saw it i sat down with you know my my eight year old little girl and we watched mm. the original Halloween. And as right. we sat there, you know, and as, this is her first time seeing this film. She's never seen it before. She was scared. She was worried. She didn't know what to expect. No idea what it was going to be like. So, like, she was right there, rooted on the couch next to me, you know, with a blanket and a pillow in hand. And she proceeded to jump in all the right cues and get scared as she heard the certain tones of music. You could feel the atmosphere and the palpability. You know, this is a film from 1978. You're talking about a kid that is of 2018, you know, entertainment build. Like, these are right. things that are shocking, you know? And as she was worried, you know, oh, is there going to be a lot of blood? Is there going to be a lot of this? Is there going to be a lot of that? And like I told her, I said, you know what? Honestly, there's really not a lot of blood. It's no. not how this film works. And, you know, after watching this entire film, and, you know, she was completely just enraptured by it, it ends, and she's like, thank you. You know, this is coming from an eight-year-old. Thank you. She was, that was one of the best films I've ever seen. Awesome. Because it was like, and it is, and I'm sitting there watching that movie, and as I'm watching that, I'm thinking back to the film I saw earlier in the day, and I'm going, there's (laughs) just... It just spiritually, I know they brought back Jamie. I know they did this. I know they did that. It, they just miss certain things, man. And I'm not asking for them to recreate what they did. You can't do that. It can never, you know, Prometheus brought fire to man. You know, nobody else can come down with fire and say, hey, this is, you know, this is fire. No, it's, it's better than the other guy's fire. It doesn't work that way. But at least, yeah. you know, they were, they were respectful to the source but I don't feel like this was the proper continuation that I really thought it was going to be. It didn't feel like that. Um, in the movie, you have a couple of characters. The one I want to talk about is the, the deputy played by Will Patton. And I love Will Patton as an actor. He's I love that actor. I like it. He's Chet, a great actor. Fucking Armageddon, man. Yes. He's so good. But in this movie, I, like, I, I was following him as a deputy. And first I thought this would be great if it was Ben Tramer. If this was Lori's love interest from 1978, that would be a great callback to this, but he's not. But he's not the sheriff either because the sheriff is apparently played by Shaft, like this guy that shows up wearing a black suit and a cowboy hat that shows up for two things and smiles the entire time. Like he's like, what, what's up, y'all? What's up? Hadfield, y'all? Like, I'm like, all right, where, why? Wink. Why? <laughs> what are they going to do, cancel Halloween? Wink, wink. Like, all right. <laughs> I was, I, I didn't, it felt out of place. I don't know how you felt about it, Ghoul, but that sheriff just completely fell flat. And no well, You know, I feel like they, because like they had said coming up into this film, there are all kinds of nods and, and even though this movie is removing all of the sequels from continuity, they have all these little Easter eggs and stuff like that hidden in there. And I know Mm. that you and me had spoken about him in particular because of his dress style. Was he a nod to the man in the black boots? 
Um, right. You know, and what I've noticed is, is like looking at all the lists and everything for Easter eggs, like that's never mentioned. You know, nope. the, this nope. Sheriff Barker is never mentioned, you know, which I'm guessing might be a nod towards Clive. Uh, uh, she's Sheriff Barker. Um, yeah, the, the Ben Tramer would have made sense, but, you know, they didn't want to go that route. I, I don't know why. Um, I mean, there's, yeah, again, there, there were, like like I said, I'm hoping that they give us a director's cut that has this, you know, all this extra time in it, and I hope it's just, it's 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 worth it. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoyed the kills in the movie um, from, you know, the gas station, which is a nod to part four, uh, with the killings of the, the mechanic and the gas station attendant to the, the journalists that are in the movie. I enjoyed Michael killing because it was a violent Michael. It wasn't a very subtle Michael. It was just him just doing what he had to do to kill people. Um, I wanted more POV shots because I couldn't find any in this movie of Michael stalking victims. He wasn't stalking anymore. He was just showing up and killing people and walking away. Like the, that suspense of where he's going to show up next was kind of gone. Yeah, and, you know, like, the doctor and me texted real quick about it. Um, you know, he felt like maybe it was just a matter of, you know, Michael being cooped up for 40 years and all that mm. pent-up, you know, rage and all that was just, you know, finally unleashed. Um, hence why he was going the way he was. Like, I felt like, you know, that whole sequence where he goes into the one house, you know, gets the woman, takes right. the knife, goes into the next house to the woman that's on the phone. Um, you know, I felt like it was very disjointed from, mm-hmm. again, taking this as the sequel to the first film, but then looking back at it, it is also how the second film started. So yeah. it's, that's your nod to that. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so, so, I mean, again, did, Yes, there was not much in the way of suspense. This felt like, you know, again, a, a run-of-the-mill slasher film and not that true. You know, again, I, I don't know. Maybe I expected too much, even though I felt like I was going into it with little expectation. Right. Um, because there, there is a sequence where the bus crashes um, and you have a, a kid and a father in the truck. They show it in trailers. Um, but it's an obvious nod to Danny McBride's writing because he's a comedic writer with the kid talking about how he just wants to dance and he doesn't want to hunt anymore. And he's like, why can't I just go to dance class? That like, I was like, okay, that's kind of funny. At the same time, Michael kills that kid. So he is capable of killing children. He doesn't mind going hunting and all that stuff. It's just that this particular night was dance. Um, so he didn't get why, you know, dad was, was busy dragging him out on this particular yeah. night. You know, obviously hidden in there in subtext is the fact that, you know, it's a homophobic father who doesn't want his, you know, I don't want my boys just dancing. I want you hunting bucks. Right. Yeah, getting out here with the boys, chugging brews. I know you only can. We're <laughs> yeah. um, 12, whatever age he is. Uh, again, you know, like what I, I thought the same thing was just, I, I didn't think it was an issue of him killing kids. I never thought that Michael was incapable of killing a child. Um, yeah. I just thought what was weird is, is that, you know, Michael, who the bus so crashes, he's, look, he's yeah. looking to leave mm-hmm. and he's going to take the vehicle and leave in it. 
Why is he in the back seat waiting for the kid who is now not in the vehicle anymore and at the bus? Stupid. Like there, yeah. there was no reason for him to wait in the back, you know. And of course, what they, no. you know, if you look on all the Easter egg things, they say that oh, well, that was you know the homage to the Annie killing in the first film because it was you know pretty much the same way. Which is fine, but it makes no sense because if you watch Halloween H two O, when he's in the bathroom, he doesn't kill the mother and her daughter. He just fucking takes their car and leaves. It's, you know, he didn't wait for them to finish up and kill him. That's why I felt like that kill was kind of unnecessary, um, especially when he kills the one woman in the house and he stops at the baby's uh, cribs and the baby's crying and he walks away. I'm like, you should have just stabbed it too. But I think I that was going in line there. with a lot of people. I thought they were going there and I was like, you know what? He's already killed the kid. Uh, he's going to kill the baby. And I, you know what? As I sat there and, you know, one part of me was like, Wow, um, are they going to go there? And I don't want to see it. And the other part of me was like, "Fucking do it, fucking do it, <laughs> shock me, shock me, please." Yeah. Like you do that, you fucking, you probably won me over. I was so in, I was so ready for it. I was like, "Yeah, maybe passing." I, like, I, I don't know. know, you know. And now here's the thing. I know. Okay, here's the one problem here. Every, as I'm thinking back to like how we're talking about it and how I'm talking about it, I did not like this film. I walked out, and I was right. very happy overall. I was entertained with the movie that they did put together. You know, so the, the gripes that I'm speaking of are just personal gripes that yeah. while I think are there, and I think other people see, that, see it as well. I just, you know, I, I don't feel like it hurt my overall entertainment of the film. I just mm-hmm. feel it's like the kind of thing that's not going to allow this film to hold up as well as, like, the original did. Right, and that's what we had talked about, and that's what I've talked about in many group pages that have already seen the movie and have spoiler-heavy kind of reviews. My, my nitpicks are nitpicks. Um, but the one point that I felt like I don't want to watch this movie anymore was Dr. Sartain, who was kind of mm-hmm. stepping into the Loomis role in this movie. Because right from the start, he seems kind of like a nefarious type of doctor. Like he's got something in mind that we don't know about with Michael. You know, he was a disciple of Loomis. He studied all his papers. At the same time, he was obsessed with Michael in a way that Loomis wasn't. Um, And when they had the reveal of what his true intentions were, I I was like, all right, I'm kind of done with this movie. (laughs) I think I could just leave now and not miss anything else because it felt so out of left field, so unnecessary. Um, I just, I hated it. (laughs) I know that you can't have another woman because nobody will later replace Donald Pleasant. But to go with what they did with Dr. Sartain, I, I just didn't like it. And, and like you said, I think that's the, their only thought behind it is like it was one of those where, you know, well, we don't want people – we want to lull people into thinking that he's just Loomis, but an ineffective right. Loomis. And then we're going to mm-hmm. flip the script on you and do this. And, you know, like I told you right from the start, you know, that, that scene, that occurred, and the movie lost me. Like, up until that point, yeah. even with any little flaws that I was finding, little things that I was like, okay, hmm, don't like that all that much. But I was still 100% with this movie. And if you would have asked me up until this point what I would have rated this film, I probably would have told you like a 7 or an 8. But then that turn occurred, and it really was just – he was such a non-entity character. Yep. But in such a way that, like, okay, it wasn't even like, oh, he was just doing this and that in the back. 
background, and wow, that mm-hmm. makes so much more sense now. It was like you guys just didn't know what the fuck you wanted to do with this guy, and you thought that this was going to be the kind of shock that the audience was going to see and be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they did that. Uh, no, I, uh, maybe the rest of them, I don't know how the other audiences feel about it. I just thought it was a stupid fucking move. It was just delivered was, improperly yeah. and whatever. Silly. It was very silly the way that they handled it. Um, you know, especially because he had been injured in the truck, in the, uh, the bus crash, and he's doing things that somebody that just got injured in a bus crash wouldn't be able to do. But for well, some not reason, just he that. Did. He was not just injured in the bus crash. He got shot. He was shot. The kid shot. Yeah, well, I, I'm trying not to get full spoilers. I'm trying to tread a little lightly. But. Sorry. <laughs> but I'm sorry. Yeah, he, I'm he was sorry. accidentally shot in a bus crash. And he's <laughs> doing things. In, yeah, he's doing things in a movie that he shouldn't be able to do with a bullet wound. But he is able to do it. Um uh, so yeah, it's just it's a weird kind of turn for that character where you're like, okay, like me, I was kind of out. Um, but then you have the callback to Lonnie Elam, the kid from the first Halloween that walks up to Meyer's house. A woman says, "Lonnie, get your ass away from there." And he is the mm-hmm. father of Allison's boyfriend, who is Jamie Curtis's daughter in this one, a uh, granddaughter in this one. But it was such a throwaway line. Like, who cares? Like, you're not even showing well, the guy, so you, you don't need to show. You know. It's just there to show you that this is still the same old small town that Haddonfield always has been. You know, you're also talking about a throwaway character who has an entire plot centered around <laughs> yeah. that goes absolutely nowhere and disappears that much quicker. He really does. Yeah. He just, yeah. And that's why I said that was a pointless character to have. Because you have this whole entire, like, sequence at the high school of the, the Halloween dance, and he has that whole kind of setup where you're like, okay, he's an asshole, and he's going to be killed by Michael. But no, he just disappears. He's fine. And he's banging some chick. <laughs> like, that's, you know, to me, that was like an insult. Like, he definitely should have died by Michael's blade. But he doesn't because Michael is kind of directionless in a way in this movie. He's just kind of wandering around. Like, he has no intentional targets. Um, especially oh, when he Lord. kills the one kid in the backyard He's just kind of like What is he doing? He's just standing in the backyard <laughs> like, it, you He's know, trying to find Lori Which oh, Excuse me yeah, Wow, I just let one rip And that was, uh, that was tough um, Yeah it, it's, it's one of those two where When you take out Sequels In which Lori is his Blood sister Mm-hmm. You now not only have him hunting for somebody that is a non-relative, but is right. also capable of tracking said non-relative's grandchild. Mm-hmm. And yep, yeah, sure. it was a uh, yeah that kill in the backyard. To me, I didn't like it because all of a sudden Michael's just hanging out in this backyard, just standing around. It's like he's not killing more people. He's just going to fucking take a break. Well, he needs a Kit Kat break, so he's just going to stand around and steal somebody's candy and just kind of stand in his backyard, wait for some more victims, and then he'll resume his search. It was one of those where I think, again, it was like, you know, for all their talk going into this that, you know, Michael's human, Michael's human, Michael's human, he's not supernatural, we're going to, he's going to be able to be hurt, he's, you know, he's just a man in a mask, Um, Mm -hmm. I think they, they, you know, maybe they were just trying to throw everybody off with that, (laughs) 
And you know what? Kudos to them. You know, because yeah. they went in a totally another direction, in my opinion. So they did, and and I don't. The one thing I don't want to do is spoil the finale. I know we've, we've had a couple spoilers tonight with our review. I don't want to spoil the finale for anybody who hasn't seen it. Oh, come on, to listen, me again, man. It's okay, it felt rushed. Fucking Lori finally sleeps with Michael. All right, she mm-hmm. finally gets it over with. She lets Bang him stab style. her with his wee wee, and he puts it in the, in the vagina hole like this. I'm doing the little, uh, you know, the, the finger in the hole thing right now, just to, to paint the picture <laughs> for everybody. That's how it's done. He does it real slow sometimes, and then he does it really quick, and then he starts to breathe real heavy, and he pops his uh, his his love juice all over the place, and and the Halloween comes up on the screen, and that's it. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much accurate. That's what happens. You know, it was a weird ending for the film to have a really pornographic scene at the end. So it was a porn. But, you know, yeah, you know, it, it would have been better, but I gave it a six. <laughs> but um, and by no means, like the girl had said earlier, are we saying that this is a bad movie? It's not. It's not the worst that we've seen in the series. Come on, Halloween Resurrection. Yeah, mm-hmm. a lot better than Halloween Resurrection. And to me, it's actually better than Halloween H2O in a lot of ways. So it's definitely mm-hmm. a movie I think that everybody should go see. But if you're like me and you're like the ghoul, there are things that you're going to nitpick. And that's okay. Because what I've noticed is that a lot of people on these boards on Facebook are really kind of giving shit to people that nitpick this movie. Like, obviously, you didn't see the same movie I watched. It's like, I did. I just happen to have Listen. fucking problems with it. Like, why can't I have problems with it? It's not a perfect movie. So it's I can tell you right things. now, it's better than any film I've ever made. So, again, my nitpicking is simply my opinion. I'm not, you know, I'm no film critic. I didn't go to to school and study the art of film criticism. (laughs) I just kind of talk like a fucking person that went and saw a movie, and these were the little things that I found with it, so. As a horror fan. Yeah, that's what what we're going into this movie as. As a movie fan, man. I'm yeah. not going to be pigeonholed into some fucking little cliche. I'm a movie fan. Mm-hmm. Well, as, this movie's hard. Just trying to I give America a good show. <laughs> oh, gosh. Trick or treat, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. And that was the one thing, too, Before we, as we wrap this up, so I want to get into the movie. Uh, I was telling the monkey about this last night. Apparently, there's a fan online who is petitioning for a 4K resolution of Halloween Resurrection, and the only extra he wants on it is Buster Rhymes doing a full commentary. I'd pay for it. I'd buy it right now. Just to have a full Buster Rhymes commentary. Make him drink Cavassier, make him sit down and watch this fucking movie, and have him do a commentary. I'm buying it right now. He's got to drink Cavassier and smoke a huge spliff. Yeah. I want want video footage of him getting drunk and getting stoned and then, yeah, I want him to sit there and watch the film. I want a picture-in-picture fucking, you know, little thing on the bottom showing yeah. him watching this film just to see his reactions to certain things within it. That would be fun. I have, yes. I take my money now because like, I'm invested. I'm like, I would love to see that. Like, I just want to hear his thoughts all fucked up, you know, high, drunk, whatever. Give me your thoughts on Halloween Resurrection. You were in this fucking thing. You had some of the fucking Honestly, worst though, lines, so... I, mean, I don't know how much it, it costs to upgrade something to 4K resolution, but, you know, I have the Blu-ray, and it looks pretty damn good. I mean, do yeah. you really need a fucking 4K, like, upscale of, like, <laughs> yeah. the worst fucking Halloween movie imaginable? 
that's the fun thing to do now, though, is put everything in 4K, because you can. <laughs> and this movie is from 2002. It's not like it's from 1982, you know, where it's like, oh, man, that would be good for the 4K treatment. No, it's 2002. It's fine. Neither it's got a good blue light stand. films from that time zone, that, that, that era, though. In particular, mm-hmm. one film, The Matrix, you know, I, I, I haven't seen, you know, any Blu-ray cuts of it, and I have it digitally, and, and I, I don't remember watching it in full yet to see if they've uh, upgraded. But, like, I know I have that on DVD, and it was, like, you know, it was, it was definitely, like, an early DVD because it was, like, in a paper case with the little latch thing on the side and all that shit. Um mm. And, you know, the picture quality, it's funny, like, watching it now, it's a very dark image, and, like, even though it was so much better than VHS was at that time, and I remember being so wowed by it back then, like, now, I like, if I was to throw that DVD in and, like, watch it, and as compared to some of the other stuff I have, either digitally or on Blu-ray, it's like, what the fuck is this? It's like going back and watching a VHS, essentially. It just doesn't have the fucking jaggedy lines going on whenever the tape has a problem. Yeah, and I, I have a bunch of those as well where I look at it. I'm like, eh, you know, it's definitely could probably do an upsell on this movie. Um, but I want to get to Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich, from 2018, directed by Sonny Laguna and Tommy Wickland. Um, I know that the monkey is very excited about this one. You know, you've um, been doing so good on your segues, man. You're doing so, so good. There's on no him. good segue. No good segue. <laughs> uh, you fucking dropped the ball. There's no good segue, but I want to get into it regardless. Um, the uh, the plot of the movie is that you have Edgar being played by Thomas Lennon. He's recently divorced. He goes home to live with his parents, and while there, he goes into the bedroom of his deceased brother, and he discovers the Blade puppet. And doing some research, he finds out that there's going to be a 30th anniversary of the Toulon murders. And he's going to Toulon. take this puppet and sell it. His name is and Toulon. And remember, remember, it's Toulon, because they remind you in the movie, it's Toulon. Um, it's Toulon. But he goes to the convention to sell the puppet with his soon-to-be girlfriend, Ashley, and his best friend, Markowitz. Uh, and hell ensues once they get there, because there's a mysterious force that reanimates the puppets. And these little Nazi bastards come to life and start killing undesirables. Um, Ghoul, you were the first one to watch this movie, and you had told me about how much fun that you had, so I had to find a copy. I watched it. I had a fucking great time. It was such a good ride. A little slow to start. You got like 33 minutes in, and then the killing starts to happen, and it's fucking on. Uh, but, Monkey, this is your first time viewing it, so I want to get to you first. What did you think about Puppet Master, The Littlest Reich? <sighs> Puppet Master, Puppet Master, Puppet Master. All right, well, what's there really to say about this film? It's so good. It was fucking awesome. (laughs) This was a fucking awesome hour and a half of boobs, blood, broads, and gore. This movie was a practical effects roller coaster. I mean, man, watching this movie, dude, it made me feel like I was 13 again when I was just getting into horror. Like, I was on such an adrenaline rush from... Just loving every second of the gore that was in this movie that after it was done, like, I literally felt spent. Like, I had to go have a cigarette. Like, I just got laid. <laughs> wow. Yeah. What kind of sex are you, you having, man? Got to work and, on no, that. And, no, wait, 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 wait. And you know what? I enjoyed this movie so much. I want to do something new and special for this film that I feel, I feel like it just nailed it in the horror genre. So I'm giving this movie 
brand new thing, the Mad Monkey Sticky Tapioca Seal of Approval. I mean, stick that on there. <laughs> I mean, wow. It's like, seriously, what a fun ride. Thank, thank you so much, guys, for picking this film. <laughs> right. All right, so, Ghoul, uh, second time jumping in. I know you watched it originally the first time. This time you kind of had to sneak it in. Uh, but what did you think about The Little Strike? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I remember when we first brought this movie up during, like, horror news at one point. And uh, I, for, I forget who had brought it up and said, you know, and I guess this is, like, what? This is, like, the 13th or the 16th entry in this fucking franchise. Yep. And I didn't even realize they had gone that far. Honestly, I thought this was like the fifth or the sixth. Like, I, I remember the last one I kind of remember was like three, maybe four, somewhere around there. Uh, I know mm. they eventually did like Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys, and I think that might have even gotten a sequel or, or was supposed to, but never did. Um, but I had poo-pooed all over this movie. I was like, oh, God, here we go. Um, I honestly, you know, when it, when it released digitally, I felt bad. And I shit on it so much. And obviously, I hadn't seen it. I haven't watched any of them since, like, the second or third one, as far as I can remember. Um, and I ended up buying it, you know, like I, I often do. I have a entire collection on my Xbox of, like, horrible fucking films, most that I hate, that I just have either from, you know, having to purchase them to watch for the show, and I just like to, to pad the collection with them, or just because I do. I just buy movies sometimes. Because um, the ghoul pad. That's it, you know? And I have to say, honestly, foot in my fucking mouth. Because, yes, once the action started taking place, I was really bored at the beginning of the film. I'm like, holy fuck, are they really going to ever get to anything? Um, (laughs) But once the roller coaster hit that top and then started descending down, it is such a ride through practical effects that, yes, they look fucking terrible at times, and I love it, you know, because it's just (laughs) messy, and there's shit squirting everywhere, and they're doing things that, you know, movies aren't supposed to do, you know, you never go there, you never kill that person, oh my god, are they really going (laughs) to do that, oh, holy fuck, they did, I adored it and yes you know i remember telling you like shortly after watching it like holy shit you need to check it out and yep i was quite pleased when you said we were going to be doing it this week yeah yeah i was glad to pick it myself and what i did like about it is that yes there is 13 movies uh in this series and one through six kind of follow the same line and then they go into retro puppet master puppet master versus demonic toys um, Puppet Master, Axis Termination. So they go into all these different things. But this movie is in an alternate universe. Because Andre Toulon, in the original series, is a Frenchman whose wife is killed by the Nazis. So he creates these puppets to go after the Nazis and kill them. In this one, who better, you guys, than Udo Kier to play the fucking demented German Frenchman that he is? to create these puppets and kill people with them. It was perfect. Like, I couldn't think of better casting than Udo Kier as mm-hmm. Andre Toulon, um, especially the opening sequence of him in Postville, Texas in 1989, trying to get his drink uh-huh. and trying to seduce the waitress at the bartender, rather, and they're lesbians, <laughs> and he's just so fucking pissed off. Ooh, homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> so offended. 
you so offended. But what did you guys think about Udo Kier, you know, in a very limited role, but still so fun for me as Andre Tumal? You go ahead, Cole. Oh, I think he was great. You know, he's just—he's really fucking creepy looking, and you know they've got the uh, the scarring on him, and then the little bit of makeup and all that stuff, and and yeah, no, he he was he was great. I enjoyed it very much. So, the glasses that don't fit his head, uh-huh. <laughs> you know, couldn't find better glasses, so they just stuck with it. But um, the little yellow flower that he has on his lapel. Um, but it's kind of that one point in the movie where you kind of have to have that opening introduction, which I actually thought that the animated sequences that they had, the storyboards that kind of show you the history of Andre Toulon, was kind of necessary because it kind of added a oh. fun element to show you what he did and how he got these puppets to become, you know, Nazi sympathizers. No, they, they with this this whole thing, they did a great bit with the storyboards and the uh, Michael Oming looking artwork. You know, they did a great job of just giving the background for this alternate storyline that was going to take place in this movie. And, yeah, mm-hmm. I thought it was absolutely necessary. And, and right off the bat, you know, it can, it's a yeah, – go ahead. Uh, go ahead, Gould. Sorry. And it also, though, does connect us to our lead character because ultimately what we're seeing yeah. in those storyboards is eventually the comic that he's going to create. That's right. Yeah, that he creates with um, Madame Lightning. Um but, yeah, like right off the bat, you know, like we had talked about, the first 36 minutes, I want to say, before the killing starts to really happen are kind of slow. But we do get a nice decapitation sequence, courtesy oh, of yeah, uh, Pinhead. Mm-hmm. You know, just with the garrote and taking off the bartender's head and the crash. Um, then you cut to Tuan's mansion, and he's obviously sticking himself in this mausoleum with these weird pipes sticking out of the roof. So he's got a plan. And he's telling the puppets to just kind of wait in the darkness until you hear my call, and that's all. And it, like, it was effective because you don't know when they're going to come up again. Um, and then you cut to present day, which is odd because this movie was released in 2018. Technically, this should be 2019 the movie takes place because it's 30 years after 1989. But that's a throwaway kind of thing. But uh, <laughs> Stop being so nitpicky, King. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's 2018, but they're they're technically in 2019. Um, and you get introduced thing with Edgar. Didn't get released until 2019. <laughs> they should have waited, you know, but that's all right. Um, you get introduced to Edgar, played by Thomas Lennon. I know him best from Reno 911, which I love that show, and I love Thomas Lennon on it because I think that he's got great uh, comedic timing, and especially in this movie, the little kind of whips of humor that he has, uh, like when Marco Witz is in the car. And he's like, whatever, sweet tits. And he's like, hey, don't make fun of Blondie over there. <laughs> you know, it's weird little bits of, of comedy uh, that I like. So I kind of wanted to get it from you guys. I don't know how familiar you are with Thomas Lennon, but I thought it was good casting uh, for this role. Monkey, go ahead. Well, for, okay, yeah. For, for me, it was my first introduction to him was on MTV's The State, which I used to watch way back in the fucking day. <laughs> oh, yeah, nice. <laughs> um. Yeah, but for me, it's just this particular casting just didn't really work for me. It's just, you know, while he was in the movie, and I was very, very excited to see him doing a role where it wasn't straight-up comedy, like Reno 911 or The State or comedy um, parts on the side, like uh, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and shit like that. Um, You know, I was hoping to actually just get some straight-up action kind of, Thing, you know, some actual drama from him for a horror genre. So I was excited, 
But at the same time, I just wasn't behind the whole thing of, I took it as he was supposed to be like a 35-year-old guy that, you know, just split up with his girlfriend, had to move back in with his parents. And to me, it was just, I just wasn't buying it because he's too old. It's like, I know he's five years older than me. So while doing this, you know, he's 48 years old, you know, getting ready to hit this chick that's way too fucking hot for him and probably way too fucking young. But Definitely not but, hot, but, yeah, young. <laughs> I don't know, man. I dug her. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> but still, yeah, I get where you're going with it, uh, monkey. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah. Uh, Ghoul, what did you think about Thomas Lennon? Well, I don't think monkey was done, was he? Well, I was just gonna finish off with you know while it didn't quite fit, it worked. It worked itself later. It's just the introduction to me, for me, just didn't work. You know, but once but once the train got going, then it, everything was fine. Good. Yeah. All right. So yeah, I apologize for that. But go ahead, Ghoul. Um, you know, as far as I like, you know, I, I know the guy. I've seen him in a couple other things. He's one of those characters or those character actors that, you know, he turns up in something, and, yeah, he's got that, like, dry, sarcastic type of, of, of comedy. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's not. Honestly, everything that was going on as far as the storyline of this film goes, I didn't care. Once the killing started, it really couldn't have cared less, man. I couldn't care that he was fucking divorced. I couldn't care that he was fucking banging that chick. Uh, you know what? Again, for me, right. once the, this, once it got to like the killing portion of the film, the storyline was so nonsensical, and some of the characters were just so just making noise to make noise, which I think is the point of the film. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. they're they're really trying to craft like some kind of deep story here. If anything, the reason why they went with this reboot is just to kind of say, hey, listen, you know, look at all the messes we've made with the twelve other films. You know, <laughs> yeah. just. Just enjoy the ride. Take this for what it is. We're going to give you, you know, a couple stupid things. This guy's going to fucking, you know, say what he wants to say. We're going to let him ad-lib shit, and that's that. It definitely had that vibe of, like, ad-libbing, where there wasn't really a big script to go off dialogue-wise. So I felt like a lot of the lines between Markowitz and Edgar were improvised. A lot of their jokes Mm -hmm. that they had in the, the movie. Like when Ashley goes to the comic book shop and he starts playing grindcore, he's like, yeah. Remember that thing that you've been waiting for your entire life, Grindcore? This is it. Like, I felt like that was just <laughs> them fucking around, <clears throat> having fun with the script. But the one thing I wanted to ask you guys is that there's a scene early on when Edgar finds the Blades puppet, and it whips out the blades from both of its hands and stabs him. Do you think that the, the puppets were already kind of animated? You know, that they already kind of were a little bit sentient, that they didn't necessarily need that weird force from the phone call that Edgar receives to reanimate themselves? Yes, but the only reason why I'm going to say yes, I don't know if they were fully animated, but I think they had moments when they were, and it's only because of a throwaway line from Edgar when he says, well, now we know how my brother died. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. Good point. Go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, no, because I was thinking it was more of a thing of because of the clockwork that we saw in the back when Edgar's checking out the back of it and whatnot, I was thinking that it was more of kind of like, you know, just popping because stuff was still tensioned up, you know. Mm. But but with Ghoul throwing that line out there, you know, that's making me, 
you know, re- rethink everything then because, yeah, it's like, you know, if it had just stayed in the shadows like it's supposed to, you know, and just wound down, I don't know, though, because at the same time, you know, it did have the clockworks in it, so maybe it did just eventually just wind itself down until it got w- worked up from the call. That's kind of what I'm thinking of because, like the Gould said, he has that line of, now I know how my brother died because he found the Blades puppet while at summer camp that was near where Tuan's mausoleum was. So maybe when he found that puppet, it wasn't completely wound down yet. It wasn't powered completely down. It still had life. So that's why his brother got killed by that puppet because it wasn't completely dead yet until they could be resurrected later on in the film. But it, it's an interesting point to make. Um, uh, the, the tour that they go on when they get to the 30th anniversary, uh, you get introduced to Barbara Crampton, horror queen, you know, in her own right. We just discussed her <laughs> on Beyond the Gates not that long ago. I liked her character here because, you know, why not Barbara Crampton playing, you know, Carol Dureski, you know, who was at the original 1989, you know, crime scene at the Duan Mansion giving this fucking tour. Of and yes, she was, she was a shooter. Yeah. a shooter. It was good to, to see her in this movie, kind of giving that to her. But uh, the fact that, like we had said earlier, when you're like, oh, it's not too long, it's too long, is because she's purposely saying these lines where it made me think at one point that maybe she's working in cahoots with the puppets. Like, maybe she's evil herself, you know, and she got corrupted. But they never really have that. And I kind of thought that maybe that would be fun, you know, if she was corrupted too, you know, where she would be kind of on the side of the puppets as they're killing people in this hotel. I thought that sometimes, you know, I also thought that the guy that uh, was working the desk of the hotel, I think that might have been an interesting twist to, like, have had some Mm -hmm. kind of co-conspirators involved with this. But uh, honestly, when obviously watching it the second time, I think, okay, this had to have been one of two things. Either she read the script for this film and said, hey, Everybody else is kind of playing this goofy. I'm going to be the one out-of-place character that's taking everything way too seriously. Mm. Or, B, she read the script to this film and thought that this was like a serious movie and played the character completely seriously. Well, I'll also give you guys this, and this is what I want you guys to kind of chew on a little bit. When she gives a tour... She talks about how she went down to the basement with the other Postville Police Department members. Tuan raised the gun up and wanted to shoot them, but they shot him first. It was a Luger. But we see, we see early on, that's not what happened. He was in his mausoleum when they burst into the, the mansion. So we well, don't they also know burst that into the mansion and started shooting two seconds later, so it wasn't like yeah. they were down in the basement at that time. <laughs> so that's why I kind of wonder if she's lying about what she's saying. Because Toulon is obviously put up in his mausoleum, slams the door shut, they go into the mansion, and they start shooting. So I don't think that Toulon was down there. I think she was lying. <laughs> you know, it's, but they never really kind of call it back. So who the fuck were they shooting? Maybe the That's puppets. what I was waiting for. I was waiting, but no, but if they were the puppets, then they would know, and she would know, that the puppets were dangerous because she saw them living the and animated. The idea that she's working at the place. She says the puppets got stolen. You know what I mean? I don't think there was any cover-up involved here. I kept feeling like they were going to go back at some point and show us a flashback of what happened when they burst in. 
And maybe they killed yeah. the wrong person, or maybe they killed somebody right. that they thought was Toulon. But no, they never ever go back to it at all. It's just like a completely dropped thing. It was a weird, weird thing because obviously you see that he's not in the mansion when the cops burst in and start shooting. So who were they shooting at? Again, yeah, like the Gould said, they never go back and they never explain who they were shooting at. Just that Toulon was killed on that night, and they, they got the puppets, and they started making this whole kind of tribute to him in a way with the Nazi flags and memorabilia. Um, and they have all these people, which is another interesting thing, too, is that all these people have puppets. And I think they said there was like 43 to 60. So yeah. these well, are the all productions, the, obviously. They're not too long. The count the was weird because they say there's mm-hmm. 63 puppets, but like 40 to 50 are on auction. <laughs> Well, no, some, yeah. they say whatever number they say about the amount of puppets that are there on auction, she says, oh, that's what it is. She goes, there's 63 of them on auction, so maybe 40 to 50 when he asks yeah. how many puppets there are. Like, hello, yeah. there's 63 fucking puppets on auction, then there's 63 fucking puppets, lady. Yeah, I know. It made no sense, and plus, it made no sense to me because obviously they're, they're not the original Toulon puppets. They're reproductions, so they can't all be reanimated because they're obviously not crafted by him. They're just, you know, mass-produced puppets. So how can they all be evil? Like, how can they all be reanimated? No, I I think what they're going with here is that these are all puppets that he had created over the years, you know? That all of this was prior to him going into the booth, and that's why they were all reanimated, that they were all his creations. All right, well, that makes more sense. Yeah, because also during the tours, when they're down at the workshop, and she's saying, this is where he made all of the puppets that, you know, are going to, that were right. in there, and she was, he, he keeps talking about how everyone was handmade, you know, shipped all over the world, you know, not, ju- not just in the United States or Germany or anything like that, all over the world, you know, and they all came from Cosmo. out of this workshop. Go on your wee-wee pad. Oh, sorry. Huh? I thought I muted. Yeah, <laughs> this wanders in. Oh, you're doing your podcast. Sorry. I'll walk out. <laughs> but uh, so we get into the hotel, and you have the couple, the Gottliebs, who walk into their hotel room, and you have the husband talking about how Jewish people would collect Nazi memorabilia. I don't know that many Jewish people, but I can't imagine they're collecting Nazi memorabilia. That was the one thing I'm like, ah, I don't know. I think that would be weird if I, you know, the fact that they're collecting. No, I don't don't know about that, though. You know what I mean? Like like the guy even kind of says, you know, in a way it's like, it's almost like an F you to them in the way of like, you know, hey, look, you know, you guys fucking failed. All you guys are now are just trinkets, you know, sitting in a Mm -hmm. drawer somewhere, that type of deal. Um, I don't know. Yeah. the English Town Auction, which isn't too far from here, um, there are plenty of those things being sold at the, uh, you oh, know, yeah. the little shops that are in there. Go ahead, Monkey. Yeah, and I was going to say, again, I don't know, you know, I've seen a couple of Jewish people, and I don't know of any of them collecting, but at the same time, the, the logic they gave behind the explanation, you know, which the ghoul just said, you know, yeah, it makes sense, you know. It tracks. For, at, least, yeah. at least for the movie. <laughs> You know, de- definitely right. makes sense. Like, I, but I do I, love I the fact that, uh, that... Oh, good. Yeah, I was going to say, I love the fact that Torch is the first one that gets the first kill because he's got the little Kaiser. Nazi armband on. I'm like, oh, he's adorable. 
His little fucking Nazi <laughs> helmet on, his little head, you know, little arm band. Torch, his name is the Kaiser. No, in the, yeah. the series, his name is Torch. They called him Kaiser in this movie. Yeah, right. in this movie, he's Kaiser. Yeah, well, I, I go by Torch because that's how I know him as. He still has the helmet in the rest of the series. In this movie, they called him Kaiser and they gave him a Nazi armband. But he was adorable. You know, when he turns on and he pops off a fist and sets him on fire, I'm like, all right, we're off to the races. Well, no, what I love is is when he when he, when his lights go on and he sets those wooden dummies on fire. That yes, I too was thinking, "Oh my god, this is so bad. It's amazing." <laughs> yeah. Just completely just bakes them, you know, and just burns them to death. And it again, this is like the goal said. You're at the top of the peak of a roller coaster and now you're fucking going down. Now it's like we're going straight into it. We're digging in and we have our massacre of people. Um the next couple which I didn't have their names. I just wrote it as Big Titties and Beard Man. Because <laughs> she was a hooker, and he was obviously, <laughs> yeah. you know, a, a wealthy individual, and she was a high-priced hooker. Uh, yeah. That's how I took it. You work as a stripper. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, was that I love the fact that when he, yeah. When her he name was Goldie. Her from behind, yeah. When her breasts are pressed up against the window. <laughs> I loved up it. Against the window. Just having Absolutely. fun. And you get Blades coming in there, slicing his Achilles tendon. She falls on top of him, still not knowing what's going on. Blade just goes to fucking town on her tits, just stabbing her over and over again. I'm like, I'm having fun. I was like, dude, this is great. Oh, but first he does the one move in horror movies that I hate, especially when they show it up close, dude, the Achilles tendon slash. Oh, it's so fucking horrible. And when they show it like close like that and you watch it fucking like Pet cemetery style. Oh, I can't stand it. Yeah. Pet cemetery style. Then he goes to town on her chest, stabbing her to death. And then you go to the next room, and you have a guy watching Witch Riba wrestling on TV. And he's like, oh, <laughs> fuck yeah, I got to go take a piss. And then you have Auto Gyro, who looks like a drone, flying up. This is us on, on Monday and Tuesday nights, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, just the fact that he cuts off his head. But it's not enough. Like, it's just he cuts off his head. The head lands in the toilet. You're like, all right, that's it. Nope. We're going to have a great shot of his cock pissing all over his face as it sits a in the POV, toilet. A POV <laughs> of his PP fucking peeing all over him, man. I was, just, I was just so fucking happy with that death because they could have ended it right there. His head got cut off, fell in the toilet, and that's it. But the fact nope. that you have the POV shot in center frame – and it's pissing all over his face. I was like, all right. No. Right. Now, the one question I do have of this, and obviously, again, you know, this is one of those movies where you you just enjoy all the mess and all the shit and everything that they're doing all over the place. But as we clearly said, we just had a POV shot of his penis pissing all over himself. But when they cut and you see that toilet, the head, and the body with the blood spurting everywhere, his dick is nowhere to be seen. Nope. <laughs> nope. It's back in his pants. His body managed to tuck <laughs> it back in before it fell. <laughs> yeah. No, it should have been hanging out. You know, that would have made more sense. But they're like, nope, nope. He did it for his mom. It it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, like I said, you're now in full effect with these, these puppets going after people in the hotel. Um, uh, the next step I wanted to talk about was the, the kid, the very effeminate kind of kid who was talking to his mom on the phone you know, about how he has to do this, and he's got all these puppets to sell. Um, 
but he's drinking and he's, wine, well, no, he, and obviously he's telling he's his mom to quit one, drinking. And he's supposed to be, yeah, he shouldn't be drinking anymore. He's got one puppet. It looks yeah. like Blade, but What's head like a skull? is different. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, that's what it looks similar to Blade, but it, it's yes, its head is a straight up skull instead, and uh, yeah, he's he's obviously supposed to be on the on the wagon, but he's clearly falling off of it as he's chugging down a fucking but bottle. It's or so good because you get Blades coming in and killing him, and Blades guts him, and you think, okay, that's it, he's done, he's dead. But Blades isn't done because he fucking pokes the guy's eye out <laughs> for no reason. <laughs> but it was just so good, like he's like, yeah, I'm gonna put the explanation point on this kill. Stabbing his eye out too. <laughs> Blades, you motherfucker! Okay. Like you know, loved it. Now it was just so good. Good. And while we're no, I just want to say, and while we're going through all these motions again, uh, the only other puppet master movie I've seen was one. All right, and I was mm. finding this even more funny and more moving while it's all going on because, again, we've had a whole slew of movies in between one and what we have now. And do they bother to try and upgrade the puppets and make them move better or make them seem like they're better, like, actual nope. puppets for the movie? <laughs> nope. Just not at all. Still, yeah, just, you know, still cheesy, you know, action figures that they're moving a little bit here and there, you know. And I was just like, wow. It's like, nope, they're just going to keep this shit solid just like the first movie. <laughs> yeah. And real briefly, I want to touch on the fact that during these kills, Markowitz, the friend of Edgar, is down in the bar trying to hit on a bookish-type blonde. She doesn't go for it, so he talks to this bartender who, I love the bartender, you know, Snuggly Bear. Cuddly Bear. <laughs> Just this guy who has to talk in the third person, you know. And he's like, well, how much would it cost to put a uh, laxative in her drink? $750. Like, that's an oddly specific amount. You know, Mrs. Snuggly Bear needs a brand-new TV, so everybody's got a price. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Like, it was just so good, but it was kind of that buffer, because I think with all these killings, you kind of need to have a buffer. So, like, all right, let's take a break for a little bit. Let's revel in this bloodshed, and then we'll go back in. Like, so I thought that scene was kind of needed, even though it seems kind of throwaway. I don't know what you guys thought. We needed an introduction to Cuddly Bear. We had to have it, because he becomes a major player later, you know. And, yeah, you know, because Cuddly Bear don't want, want nobody to get hurt. <laughs> nope. Nope, he doesn't. Um, because then you have the scene of the, the lesbian woman sitting in her bed trying to talk to her girlfriend that's in the bathroom, and she hears a sound and breaks into the room, and it's the one kill that you don't really get to see. Because nope. when they cut to the bathtub, it's covered in blood, and she's dead, and you really don't know who killed her. You don't know what puppet did it. She's just dead. But, the only thing I can think, though, is there's a hole in the bathroom wall. Right. And I'm thinking tunneler. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. He's got the drill, the drill on his yeah. head. Yeah. And I was disappointed because I love tunneler. Uh, tunneler and pinhead are probably my two favorite puppets. And pinhead mm-hmm. is the one with the little head, but he's got the big fucking hands. So he could mm-hmm. burst through walls. I love those two puppets. And you only really get to see them briefly, especially tunneler. You only get to really see yep. him once. No, but we've got our victim laying in the bathtub. There she is, all yeah. naked, but somehow her hand is perfectly placed, uh, you know, uh, above her yeah. couch, so you can't see nothing. <laughs> you know, yeah, you're not going to be able to see anything. But that's the monkey wants to see piece. that slit. It's a set piece, though, because it leads to my favorite death of the movie, which uh-huh. is a, a nice pregnant woman laying in bed watching TV, <laughs> and you have 
the one puppet that is called Moneymaker. And it's because Money it looks Linder. like a stereotype Jewish person with a yarmulke and it's got the little braids, mustache, big nose, pulling on itself out of the box. And they go there. Just like the ghoul oh. said. Just when you don't think they're going to go there, they do. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it was effective because you don't think they're going to go there. She's pregnant. She's safe. You know, pregnant women are safe in these horror movies. Kids are yeah. usually safe in horror movies. But Moneymaker barrels himself through her, through her vagina and not only bursts out of her stomach, but pulls the baby out with the afterbirth. Oh, fuck, man. So and, cool. and he's I'm, dragging I'm, the fucking aside, placenta sure. out as he's yep. walking along on the bed. Like, yes, again, he comes out of the stomach, and I figured that's, you know, that's where most movies are going to cut. You know, most films are going to say, that's, you know, that's too far as it goes, you know? But no, he's got this fucking little fetus in his arms, and it is fucking beautiful. It is so great. It is so horrible. It is so offensive, and I fucking love it. Yeah, go ahead, Monkey. What do you think about this? No, it's just when the scene happened, just like all of you, it's like when it happened, I'm sitting there with earphones on, you know, watching it on my computer in the bedroom, and when that happened, I just, you know... Yell, oh fuck! <laughs> and then Lainey comes running into the bedroom. You okay? Is everything all right? And I was like, Yeah, I just saw a horror movie do something that no other horror movie has ever done before. And she was like, Oh, I thought you were hurt or something because you. <laughs> no, but yeah, okay. it's like this. <laughs> but yeah, this like like you guys said, it's like this scene just went where no one had gone before, and it totally threw me off when they went there and then just kept going and going. <laughs> and then, you know, it gave a whole new meaning to the term kidnapping. <laughs> yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. It was, it was <laughs> and that's why I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love when movies go to a place that they're not supposed to go. They break that ultimate taboo, and they do something they're not supposed to do. And I guarantee you a lot of people probably thought that was uncomfortable. I was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> there are not enough movies that just say, we're going to go where you don't think we're going to go. And that was what worked. Um, but, I love that but, they made the puppets the bad guys again. Because I know that yeah, was something well, that they were doing in the yeah. other films in which, you know, mm-hmm. the puppets were being used as, you know, as the good guys. You know, I know in one of them that they were working as, yeah, as I read up on some of the uh, the other films, just to, to kind of give myself a little bit of a history of what had been going on and why they would reboot it um, this way. Mm-hmm. You know, they did that thing where they turned them into the good guys. We saw that done with Hellraiser, and that didn't work. And, you know, they they did that with this series as well. And, I mean, I guess obviously it made, it made some success because they kept making them. But yeah, I think yeah. the turn of making these puppets the, the villains again is definitely the way to go. I thought it definitely worked. Um, but, uh, you know, panic quite has not set in at the Brass Knuckle Hotel yet. You know, there's things <laughs> going on. There's a detective that gets introduced who is just suspicious of fucking everybody. <laughs> it's there's Michael fucking Perret, dude. It is Michael, yeah, Michael Perret. Perret. It is say. Eddie yep. from Eddie and the Cruisers, okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. I was going to oh, put shit, that in there, that it's Michael Perret, but yeah. And he's good. I like this detective because it, it felt right for this movie. Oh, to have shit. this detective yeah. be so just and, bossy and shit like that. 
Oh man, I not man. I'm sorry. I'm just looking at the IMDb page now, and yeah, it's our hero from the the movie in the '80s, Streets of Fire, and mm-hmm. and yeah, but ah uh, shit. Also, way back in the day, um, one of my favorite sci-fi movies from the '80s, Moon 44, which if you guys have never seen, you know, it's a hard movie to catch, but it's an awesome, awesome like, you know, techno future kind of alien kind of movie or whatever. Mm. But oh fuck, man. Okay, sorry. Moving on. That's him. Yeah. I know from Eddie and the Cruisers, so that's not my intro. But I like the fact that he was playing this detective that's just suspicious of everybody. You know, he's going from one crime scene to another, looking at these bodies that are starting to pile up. Um, You have Edgar start to put in the pieces together of, well, this guy was a gypsy because his name was uh, Ezekiel, or Hezekiah, rather. So he was a gypsy. I looked it up on Google, so I know my shit. I Googled it. (laughs) You know, uh, the Gottliebs are Jewish, or these puppets are killing undesirables. Um, that's yeah, what they're the, the, the lesbian couple. <laughs> yeah, the lesbian couple. So panic hasn't quite stuck out yet. But what I liked is you have that death of the interracial couple. Uh, because when the guy was like, all right, let's go downstairs. They're calling us all to go downstairs. You have baby Fuhrer, or Junior Fuhrer, rather. This little baby that looks like Hitler. That could tunnel <laughs> its way through your back and possess you. And basically just use you like Krang uses his fucking robot and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Or it's a puppet. It's a puppet now using a meat puppet. That's right. Uh huh. Yeah, you know, and his That's girlfriend immediately killed like that. It was a human marionette, you know. Uh huh. Yeah. So you have Blades kill the girlfriend. Junior Fear takes over this guy's body. So he's obviously possessed. Nobody knows about it yet. He's just kind of walking around, not saying anything. Nobody's suspecting, which is what I like. The fact that he puts the jacket over himself so he can't see the huge hole that he has in the back where Junior Fear is, is guiding him around. Um, but like I said, panic is not quite set in yet because people are just being rounded up and they're being brought to the, the main part of the hotel. You know, That's called the lobby saying, Well, yeah, well, lobby, whatever. <laughs> but... You know, detective is trying to calm everybody down and saying everything's fine, but we just need to vet everybody. Nobody leaves until we vet everybody in this hotel. Everybody just try to stay calm, and the lights go out, and immediately Barbara Crampton's character starts shooting fucking rounds. Yeah. <laughs> just popping rounds off, because that's her automatic reaction, because she's fucking scared. Just try not to show it, but yeah, telling her to fucking stand ba- down and shit. Sorry, ba- baby killer puppet's name is actually Money Lender. Yes. I thought it was, oh, was, was money-making. All right. Well, well maybe, it is in the other, maybe it is in the other movies, but, but again, in this movie, they sometimes have a different movie. name. Yeah. No, yeah, no, this is, this, is his, this is his debut. <laughs> yeah, it's his debut. Oh, what a, fun, oh, okay. what a terrible, terrible character. I love it. It's so good. Yeah. It's so offensive. I fucking love it's, this movie because it offends it, everybody. It is. <clears throat> but what I love is the, the panic that sets in when the lights go out. And everybody makes a bum rush to the parking lot. And this is where the puppets just have fun. <laughs> this is every puppet descending on these people trying to escape. The lesbian woman getting gutted. You have the stoners getting killed by Pinhead and Blades. Um, the, the one I really liked was the little kid. <laughs> where Sunken <laughs> Bear's like, hold on to my back. You'll be okay. And all of a sudden, <laughs> fucking auto gyro comes in and cuts his fucking hands off. 
I just love how they reveal it, you know, because like when 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 Cuddly Bear gets inside, he's like, hey, hey, little guy, you know, you turn around and there's just blood all over his back and two little hands still gripping the shirt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once oh, again, they, awesome. once again, they went there. In such a beautiful way, too. Just the little hands gripping his back <laughs> after everything that he went through. Um, but then you have, you know, them going back into the hotel and kind of barricading themselves in. You know, well, if they're only killing undesirables, why did they kill everybody in the, the parking lot? Well, it's because they felt like everybody was fleeing, so they felt like they had to attack. You know, it was kind of a silly little line, but I, I went with it. I just thought that they're fucking killers. <laughs> you know, it just doesn't matter if you're yeah. undesirable or not. They're going to kill you. Yeah, and it, it was just a, that whole parking lot scene was just a fun slaughterhouse. You know, a good five minutes of just, you know, rubble tumble fun in the parking lot. <laughs> It was, and it was like a great set piece because it's like, oh my god, yeah, then we have everything going on at the same time, killings happening everywhere, people getting slaughtered, arms are getting ripped off. Like, All right, well, back in the hotel, everybody. <laughs> you know, we have to go. Um, it, it was great, you know, because it was a great set piece. Every kind of every puppet so far is getting its kind of moment of killing yeah. somebody. But then we have our ingenious detective. You know, once he gets everyone back into the lobby, he comes up with the ingenious idea of, all right, now that we're all back together, let's all split up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, well, it's also because like, Mark, Markowitz decides that, you know, well, they decide that they need to catch one of these things so they can figure say, out yeah, how yeah. it works and mm-hmm. how to kill it, um, which makes makes sense, you know, and Markowitz, you know, figures he'll be the bait because he's Jewish he needs a menorah, and he's going to sit there and he's going to do the menorah songs <laughs> and all of that stuff. Well, they are a hotel. It doesn't surprise me that they would have one. Um, hmm. But, uh, but yeah, you know, Markowitz was a uh, an odd character. Um, he's really tall, too. Either that or the rest yeah. of the cast is really short. But, like, he no, doesn't tower over yeah. everybody, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, like... Again, like, he's one of those characters that I felt like it was like he tried so hard to be unlikable in the beginning Mm -hmm. that, you know, like, in some movies it works and you end up liking the character because of of how he ends up being. I found him to kind of be just creepy when all things were said and done, and this little relationship with the, the, the very underage seeming Asian girl just really made it all the more fucking weird. Yeah, it was weird, and but he was also yeah. No, well, I was gonna say you know as he develops, he's there because he is the history lesson. You know that that's the point of his character is you know at first he's the asshole, but then he turns into the history lesson about you know what was done to the Jews and the Gypsies during World War Two. Yes, and that's what I was gonna get to is because he has to have that hero moment when Larissa and Ashley Edgar Markowitz retreat to the one hotel room, you know, he basically says, I hear this woman screaming and she's now praying because that's the prayer that Jewish people say before they're about to die. I don't want to let her die. I'm going to go ahead and save her. So now he's having this hero moment where he says, I'm doing this for the 6 million people. So obviously making a reference to the Holocaust. Um, That's what his main reference is. So he's going from an asshole creep to I got to be the hero now. So Edgar and I are going to go out there and try to save this woman, but it's uh, too late because Mr. Pupper already had her. This is true, <laughs> Mr. Pupper. <laughs> no, but on the flip side, he's only like I had to take him with a grain of salt because here, though, 
in this instance and stuff like that, he's only being a hero for another Jewish person. Yeah. Yep. Uh, well, because he's standing up for who he is. You know, he's Jewish. He's Jewish. So I'm tired of being the kind of background guy that's trying to fight for my life. So it's a hero moment to me. You know, and a lot of horror movies have to have that moment where the guy goes from being the pussy, like Ash and Evil Dead, to being the hero, you know, and, and killing off some of the deadites. That's kind of the way that I took it out. But it was a great moment because it's for not because Mr. Pump already killed her. It's like Jason versus Freddy when mm-hmm. when Jason kills that fat dude's friend and the fat dude gets all pissed and lights him on fire. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Trying to do damage to Jason for not. Um, but when they get back to the room and Blades breaks in uh, after Pinhead has knocked Markwood to the ground, slicing his throat, I just I like the fact that he has that one scene where he's talking to Larissa, the waitress, and he's like, so tell me what are my chances would have been, you know, if this whole thing hadn't have gone down. And, and I'd like, taken ah, you out to a yeah. nice dinner <laughs> yeah. and, bought, and bought you stuff. <laughs> yeah, definitely would have said 60% chance that he would have gotten some. And he's like, I'll take it. <laughs> you know? it, was, it was great, you know, to see him perish away that he did. But what I love, and this is what I was talking about with Monkey, the reason I love this next sequence is because you have Larissa, Edgar, and Ashley deciding they have to jump out of this window into a dumpster to escape the hotel, escape where all the puppets are going to be. So Edgar jumps, lands into the trash, climbs out. Ashley, fine, does the same thing. Larissa completely fucking misses the dumpster and (laughs) is not a victim of the puppets. She's a victim because she didn't hit the right landing. Cracks her head against the side of the dumpster and is dead. And you know what, call me silly, I didn't see it coming at all. No, you know, either. like I really was, ex- I was expecting <laughs> yeah. like maybe auto gyro to fly in or, you know, like a puppet to be in the garbage bin or something. So when she just slams into the side of the damn thing, it is dead. And then they kind of <laughs> just like shrug it off and keep going. I'm like, yeah, this it just, yep, the fucking hits just keep on coming. I'm loving it. That's right. The puppet didn't even kill her. She killed herself by missing the landing, you know, which is She's fucking great. Like, I love the fact that the puppets weren't even responsible for that one. She did it herself. She fucked up on her triple Lindy. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You, know, good, you know, go back to school reference. Um, but it's, uh, they get to the truck, and Happy Amphibian is in there. He's already killed the truck driver. And that is a stand-in for Jester. So if you guys have seen the first Puppet Master, there's a Jester-type character. Happy Amphibian is stepping in for Jester in this movie, so you get to see that kind of happen, shooting out the weird kind of missiles from his mouth, trying to kill uh, Edgar and Ashley. Um, you don't really get to see too much of Happy Amphibian. I kind of wish that you did, because I like that puppet. It was a cool-looking little puppet with a little clown hat on, <laughs> walking around with his little legs. Yeah, well, the, the best is there's also, like, a, there's, like, variations on certain puppets, and mm-hmm. like there's uh there's like a bear version of Tunneler and there's yep. another right. version of of Amphibian or like similar to him and he's called Grasshopper. Yeah, the Grasshopper. 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 Has it Yeah, it was so good to see that. Um and when they drive off, when Edgar and Ashley drive off and they're in the truck I love the fact that he turns on the radio and playing country. He goes, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. Like, see, that, to me, is the humor of this movie. Like, after everything you've been through, you're apologizing for the country music. <laughs> but, but after the country music, we have our moving scene where 
Edgar accidentally confesses that he is in love with our heroine of the movie. Yeah, I could have done without that. No, it just felt like it, it was filler for this scene because they had to have the scene in the truck. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yes, I, I kind of like you too. <laughs> but, but it's but it's important because now he's in love, you know, and she, you know she climbs over and starts kissing him and shit like that, you know, while he's trying to drive. But it's yeah. important later that he loves her. It is important in a way. I'll give you that. Um, to me, like I said, it, it felt very throwaway at the moment that it happened. But I get why you said it's important towards the end. But we also cut back to the hotel where the pups are still attacking, and you have you know, Huggy Bear, you know, still being attacked, but he's calling his wife. He's like, hey, baby, I'll be home later. Why don't you go ahead and take yourself a bubble bath? Get you some effervescence. Uh, <laughs> I love that line. Because he's, after everything is going on, he's still concerned about his wife taking a bubble bath, make sure she's ready for him when he gets home. And then you get your first appearance of Tunneler. Like I said earlier, one of my favorite puppets attacking him. And in such a great way, because he's not fucking going down without a fight. Like, this guy is not going to let this little-ass puppet kill him. And he's going to go to town with Tunneler. Mm-hmm. See, I, see, I took the whole thing about Cuddly Bear calling his wife, because he says, you know, I want you to take a bath, get yourself all effervescent, you know, because that's a nice image for me to have in my head. And I took it as... Right. That that was him just trying to imagine, you know, some nice thoughts because he knew he was getting ready to die. That could be it, too. But at the same time, mm-hmm. he wasn't ready to go yet. <laughs> he oh, was no, not. No. Yeah. He was going to have that nice thoughts of his wife all naked laying in the uh, bubble bath, and he was going to start killing some puppets. Like, he was going to have to do whatever he had to do to get back to that bubble bath. Um, but in the meantime, you have Edgar and Ashley still in the truck. They're going to Toulon's mausoleum. Edgar has a plan in mind of how he's going to stop it. He feels like he knows how he's going to stop this whole fucking thing from going on and kill these puppets once and for all, and that's by driving the truck straight into the mausoleum. Driving the truck into the no, driving the truck into the stone mausoleum. Yeah, <laughs> yep, it worked. Whatever, huh? <laughs> you know. Yeah, not through the gate too. Was, yeah, through the gate through the mausoleum. But I liked his line to Ashley where he's like, I got a plan. She's like, what is it? He goes, well, I'm not going to tell you because I figured you'd freak out. <laughs> it just drives straight into the fucking mausoleum. And this is what I wanted to ask you guys about because what didn't work for me is the reveal of Andre Toulon as a fucking Giver-looking monster. Like, I don't know why he looked like a monster. Like, there didn't seem to be an explanation as to why. I thought he was going to look like Udo Kier walking out of the mausoleum in his suit and his little yellow flower. But instead, he's like this weird stick monster. No, I just think it's, you know, he's been laying in there and his body's been... I feel like what they've been going towards is him eventually becoming like a human puppet of sorts. Okay. You know, whether it's him creating, you know, a, a body for him to transfer to and was that what all of everything else was about? Um, or if it's just his body itself is becoming that of a puppet. Where do you think, monkey? See, I, I, you know, uh, yeah, sorry, words. No, I took it as just, words. you know, the demonic magic that was involved with the puppets, because I took it as magic, you know, even though they mm, have clockwork yeah. in them and stuff like that. I took that as the demonic magic behind the puppets, melding together with his dead body to make this weird-ass zombie thing. 
That's all I took. It was just, you know, demonic zombie shit. And don't get me wrong, I love the look. Like, I thought it was a great look for this monster coming out of this mausoleum. And it still had the yellow flower. <laughs> you know, the yellow flower didn't rot off. It still stuck to his chest, which I really liked. Um, you know, and you have this final confrontation with Edgar and Ashley and this monster. Um, with Edgar beating it off with a pipe and thinking that he's going to do damage, but it doesn't really. Um, and this is where I talked about earlier with the monkey, where I said it was not a good scene, but at the same time I understood why they had to have it with Edgar telling Ashley that he loved her because she is killed with the Luger that uh, Toulon has. Great shot, yep, too. It's a, right headshot. It's a Luger. <laughs> just that headshot and you see the brain matter on the side of the truck and he's like oh fuck like you know no and, and it's awesome because he yells out this you know loud heart wrenching you know you know Darth Vader like no you know and and again I loved it because no one's safe in this movie <laughs> not no. not even the couple that just confess their love to one another and, and again yeah. this is and I just enjoyed it because like we all say, no happy endings of horror. <laughs> there shouldn't be. And I love the fact that Toulon marches away into the woods. March, sure, into the woods. Yep. I'm free. But, I'm out. So going to cause evil. Go ahead, monkey. No, but as he's marching off, though, he does have that purple light shining out of his head where Edgar hit him, just like the puppet. Yeah, he did. does. Yeah, he does. Um, but to rewind a little bit, I wanted to ask you guys about uh, Carol Dureski's death. Barbara Crampton's character. I felt like it was the most ridiculous fucking scene in the movie when she gets killed by blades and she gets her throat cut open. I was like, this is like Barbara Crampton going, I got to act. This is my death scene. I got to make it look good. So like, eh, 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 eh. like, you know, it was like, oh, my God. Like, it was just so over the top. I was like, it, just, well, it was so bad, but I was like, all right. I'll like I said, I, I don't know what she was thinking when she did it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if she yeah, was trying to play it for laughs or if she was just trying to play it for, for – which, however she played it, it works because it worked within the threshold of this film, you know? It, it was really – it was one of those where this film, by all intents and purposes, should have been terrible – and yet it was so enjoyable. It made yeah. me laugh more than anything else. <laughs> you know, when she died, yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, she's still going? <laughs> I'm like, all right, she's still dying. <laughs> We're going to yeah, the, linger the on whole the time, shot. <laughs> the whole Chosen time I was watching her die. Why, why, why did you leave me? <laughs> all I could think of was Pee Herman's death scene in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> oh, yes, that's the one I was thinking of. I was trying to think of what that death reminded me of. My guess that was it. That's that death of the vampire. Like over and over again, and it and it worked. Like I said, it just it made me laugh, and I'm like, all right, I guess this is funny, like you know, because I'm having a good time with it. Um, so we had talked about Ashley being killed, and I love the creep show style way that it kind of panned out from the real life action into the comic book panel. Like, it was very creep show, and it worked, showing you that this is actually a piece of his comic book now. She's become part of the Madame Lightning comic book now, her death. Yeah, but like I told you, man, if he was, if he was so in love with her, 
And the Madame Lightning, as discussed earlier in the movie, was, you know, a love letter to his ex-wife. Why did he continue Madame Lightning telling the story of Edgar and Ashley when he should have created a new comic to tell the story of them? I agree. I'm with you on that. But, you know, what did you think? Because it's all, it's all about the brand, man, you know, trying to introduce another character when you can just, you know, introduce another variation of an existing character. He could have made a Puppet Master comic book. It was called Puppet Master, you know? And it could have been within its own universe. Puppet Master comic book within the, comic book, uh, within the Puppet Master universe. I think I would have liked that a little bit more. Yeah. Well, all we know is we get a big to be continued in which... You That's know, what we're talking about. To... <laughs> Yeah. All according to everything is Puppet Master Arians Ahoy. Um, Arians Ahoy. Arians Ahoy. Yeah. uh, I mean, as of right, uh, yeah, Arians, not aliens. Arians. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes, Arians, like the Aryan nation. Uh, It will serve as a prequel to the Littlest Reich. and will center around Andre Toulon's early years in Europe. But what it says also shortly thereafter that this movie has not started filming yet and won't be for a long time. <laughs> and I feel like it has to have a musical number. If they're calling it Arians Ahoy, it's got to have a musical number in there somewhere. Come on, get yeah. cheesy with it. It would <laughs> <know>? make sense. <laughs> yeah, get really cheesy with it. But yeah, I mean, there, that's the thing about the Puppet Master series, that there's no kind of, all right, this movie did well, we're going to go right into production with the next one. They're, they're going to wait, and they're going to do it when they do it. But that's what I like about the ending, is you have Edgar talking about, you know, the comic book and continuing it, and he's like, yeah, you know, I, I think that there's a lot of story left to be resolved. And you get the big fucking, to be continued, right on the screen. So it's like, yeah, they're not done. <laughs> it's not open-ended, well, right? they could. The other thing, too, though, is is being that we've got two different timelines going on with them. You got to remember, man, the, uh, the, the previous movie, Axis Termination, was just released in 2017. So they can oh, continue yeah. along with those storylines and take their time and still put together something that goes with this one. Well, I think we talked about that, actually, when we first talked about Little is Right, uh, before we even talked about it on the show, is that they are planning to spin off the Littlest Reich and do their own kind of universe and then go back to the original storyline of Puppet Master and do movies from there. So these movies are going to keep coming, but they're going to do two different universes, which I kind of appreciate. You know, for the traditional Puppet Master fans, you could have your universe. For people that like the Littlest Reich universe, you got your universe. I I like it. You know, they're going to make money. People are going to go see it. And I think they have the right direction. Yeah, serve every fan. But... You forgot, though, because it's the new thing now. Everyone does it. This movie did have a post-credit sequence. Yeah, why don't you tell us about that, Monkey? Because I know you enjoyed it, and I did, too. <laughs> well, it's just... I don't know if I saw could... it. Oh, yeah. There's a post-credit sequence. <laughs> well, there's a post-credit sequence, and apparently it is Miss Cuddly Bear, Mrs. Cuddly Bear laying in the bathtub, in, in the bubble bath, all effervescent. Laying there, and then you hear a thunk, thunk on the door, and then Cuddly Bear kicks open the door, all covered in blood, and just looks at her and goes, "Baby, just don't ask, don't ask." And that's it. <laughs> no shit. Cuddly Bear yep. survives. He did. He survived. He's covered in blood. Puts his hands up in the air and goes, "Baby, don't ask, don't ask." 
<laughs> Such a great capper because to, for that character to die, it would have been bad because he was so funny and he was so enjoyable. So I'm glad that they capped it off with him surviving, you know, especially when Tunnler fell off him after all the puppets got deactivated, you know, throwing that one puppet aside. He's like, yeah, couldn't even put up a fight. Yeah, bitch. Like, you know. <laughs> bitch ass puppet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing it aside. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm really glad that you guys liked uh, Puppet Master Little Strike. I know that the ghoul already did. I'm so glad that the monkey did as well. It's a fun fucking ride. You know, it's an hour and a half. You don't need to think about it. It's not a deep, hard dive. It's it's a fun hour and a half movie of kills, and that's what was most important to me. Ten minutes, gentlemen. Oh, yes, I know. I'm well aware. But uh, for, for next week, ghoul, I know – Monkey, you've got your Halloween festivities to do next week. I know you got the whole thing with the diva. The doc is still off in Norway somewhere celebrating his Reich as it well. So he's not going to be joining us. Uh, Keeping so, yeah. fish and whale. Yeah, so cool. It might apparently just be Dr. Me Day next week. Is a month. <laughs> so for Halloween, we don't want to leave you out in the cold for those that listen to our show. So, Ghoul, are we going to do one next week? What do we have? Yeah. We are going to do a show, and I will have to let you know what film it is that I am picking because I had a couple that I'm tossing around, and I am not sure. I've not landed on one yet. I like that. I do like that. A little talking terror roulette. You know, we're going to go old school next week, just me and the ghoul. Uh, I had a lot of fun last week doing Mandy, just me and you. I know, Monkey, you didn't like Mandy. So that's why you were kind of happy not to be a part of that episode. But, man, you missed a good one. Sorry to say. I can't believe you didn't like Mandy. I I wanted to be involved. I wanted to have my bit to say about the movie. But, yeah, unfortunately, I was sick and I had to bow out. I was just honestly not able to broadcast. I apologize, gentlemen, for having to bow out. You know, but I appreciate you guys keeping it going, and I'm glad you had a fun episode. It was fun, you know, mm-hmm. and Mandy's a good one. Sorry. You know, you have to go back, Monkey, I think, to revisit that movie. No, I think, you know, no. Oh, okay. Wait a little but, bit. But, okay, but super fast, because we just put it up on our Talk, Talking Terror Facebook page, talking about Mandy. The art, the artist who created the Cheddar Goblin, Shane Morton, mm-hmm. has, has now oh. gone and start, started making Cheddar Goblin masks that you can soon buy from him. So I'd buy that. Check, yeah, so check out check out our Facebook page where it, we have a thing about that, and you can then follow links to find him <laughs> about the yes. the up the up and coming Cheddar Goblin mask, which will soon be up to. I purchase. can't wait to buy one and puke fucking macaroni and cheese everywhere. <laughs> I do. I do think you have to buy your own macaroni and cheese. Well, that's okay because nothing's better than Devane because Goblin good. All right, so thank you so much, Monkey, for joining us. Uh, and I hope that you enjoy the Halloween festivities next week with you and the diva. Well, gentlemen, yeah, I'd really like to thank you again for picking Puppet Master The Littlest Reich. It was a perfect palate cleanser for me. I had such a wonderful time watching this movie. So, that being said, I'm your furry little horror co-host, The Mad Monkey. Thank you all for listening, and let us come in your ears. Good night, everyone. Save sex. Save sex. We don't, we don't need any more little monkeys running around. Wrap it up. Wrap it up, do it up. All right. So, uh, Ghoul, why don't you hit us with a plug as we wrap up this episode? Well, this episode of Talking Terror has been brought to you by 
Bonfire Bee Designs, do you have a littlest Reich that you would like to take care of? Do you have a little Führer of your own? Well, why don't you oh, get yeah. Das Jewelry for Das Boyfriend or Girlfriend? We've got, she's got <laughs> rings. She's got things. She's got all kinds of fucking stuff to put on your body. Um, <laughs> just, don't, just don't stick it in any improper orifices. We do not condone that. We're talking earrings. We're talking necklaces. She has been working her ass off. She, uh, the creative juices have begun to flow yet again, which means course, there's course. all kinds of jewelry and stuff all over the damn house, man. She is crafting. So go on to the Etsy site. It's all one word. Bonfire Bee Designs. She works her ass off to do these things. Buy some jewelry, people. Buy it. If you want to get some sex like that fucking porn store, whatever, that hooker and that dude with the titties pushed up against the window, buy some jewelry, man. Chicks dig that shit, and they're totally down for it. They'd be like, yo, push my titties up against the window and do me from behind because you bought me a piece of Bonfire Bee Designs. And and especially with only two months until Christmas, get your shopping in now. That's right. That's it, man. Do it up. It's That's always right. a good time, but, you know, Halloween, Christmas, Thanksgiving. I mean, who doesn't want to get a gift for Thanksgiving? New Year's is around the corner. Why pop the question when you could just give her a nice, you know, necklace instead? This way you're not beholden for the rest of your life, and you're still getting that piece of ass. That's right. And for the woman, you have a guy in your life, buy him a cock ring. Why not? You know, show him that you care. Who needs a ring on your finger well, when you get a ring on your cock? Yes, you can absolutely buy a cock ring, but you can't buy a cock ring from Bonfire Beat Designs. That That's an idea. Local porn establishment. Tell the ghoul girl, start creating them. You know, be a big seller. Talking terror-inspired cock rings. They don't be sized to me, and then you know people are going to have a problem because it's going to be too big for their. It's, you know what can I say? Of course, nobody well, then compares would, to that fucking. Then would, that be, that would that be like a cock and terror ring? <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be uh, that would be talking terror, <laughs> talking terror ring, sponsored by the boys over at talking terror. Um, and as we close out, real quick, I just wanted to say that uh, the news we'll, broke out. We'll chisel our that signatures Karen... in it, but it can only be seen if you dip your dick in fire, like the Lord of the Rings ring. <laughs> there you go. It could be the one one. Uh, but yeah, James Karen, uh, star of Return of the Living Dead, Poltergeist, Return of the Living Dead Part Two, The Willies. He passed away today. At 94. So rest in peace, James Karen, uh, one of the most iconic character actors I could think of. I remember him from the Pathmark commercials back in the day living in New Jersey, but also the Return of the Living Dead series. He was such a good one, especially with Poltergeist. You moved, but you didn't move the bodies. Like, so good. Hopefully they, don't, hopefully they don't build a development on top of you, man. That's right. <laughs> so it, it was, you know, sad to say that he passed, but he was 94. We have the long life. We have those movies. Return of the Living Dead, one of those movies I watch every Halloween season. I think it's a must. If you love comedy, if you love horror and zombies, watch Return of the Living Dead. But with that said, Ghoul, why don't you take us out with that beautiful catchphrase? Dude, totally watch Return of the Living Dead. I don't care if you fucking like zombies, you don't like zombies. It's a fucking great movie, (laughs) and it's hysterical. But stay scared while you're at it. Stay scared. Excellent. And until we meet next week for Halloween, celebrate it with the ghoul and I for a pick that is the yet announced. I can't wait to see what he has coming up. But once you're done with your candy, you trick-or-treating, you put the kids to bed, turn on Talking Terror, Halloween edition, folks. Cannot wait. Tip America strong. Watch horror movies. Enjoy the rest of your week. 
We'll see you next time.